Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so um, I, I'm just getting ready to start talking and my, my, my headphones like practically fell off my head. Uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Maybe you shouldn't wear your Golden Knights hat. Um, yeah, shout out to you know, everybody <laughs> in Vegas. No, uh, we love the Golden Knights. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really ironic. We lived there for so long, never had any professional sports. And right when they got that team, uh, the season was going to start. Uh, and we left pretty much like right as the season started. And they had like one of the, uh, I don't know if anybody out there is a hockey fan or not. I'm from Minnesota, you know, so of course I've liked hockey since I was a little kid. Um, but uh, they had like this crazy season that no one's ever had before, you know, no. for a, for an expansion team. It was definitely inspirational. Yeah. And it's funny too. Well, granted, it's kind of started off in tragedy with that whole shooting they had there in October. Uh, but, uh, um, uh, you know, there is people there, you know, we have patients there, uh, and they, none of them really care for sports all that much. Now everybody is into the Golden Knights, which is kind of an interesting, which kind of a cool thing. It's a very much, a, a you know, a created a very community friendly environment. And we wear our Golden Knights gear here in Washington, like you're wearing your hat right now, which is why your headphones are slipping off. But some people recognize it, even up here in Washington, they recognize the team. Yeah, well, Seattle's supposed to be, uh, well, they already been awarded the team, but now they're going to be announcing the the mascot here fairly soon, or the, the, the logo or whatever. Um, I'm not really sure what it's going to be. There's rumors that it was going to be the Kraken, and everyone thought it was going to be the Sockeyes. You know, who knows? Uh, we'll see. Uh, so we have a um, another listener question to talk about. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read the question? I think actually this one was a uh, reader. So this is one of the um, articles, the blogs that we had um, written about with it, with about estriol and the different types of estrogen. So, um, yep. So this is a reader. This is a, a great shout out to Lily. She wrote, dear Dr. Davidson, I'm writing to say how illuminating your article on estriol was for me, especially your metaphorical descriptions of the actions of the three types of estrogens. Oh, Lily, you're already my new favorite person. <laughs> Illuminating <laughs> metaphorical descriptions. Oh, she's awesome. Anyway, so she goes on to say, so Lily goes on to say, I have a question, if I may. I am 49 years old. I just entered menopause and started taking bioidentical, phy- oh, nope, started taking botanical phytoestrogens to help with the once a day hot flash. It helped for a month, and then the flashes increased to several times a day. I then took estriol, five milligrams, and it helped. But since then, the flashes have again increased, and I'm using even more estriol, two pumps, morning and night. It's made me feel very, very good, calm, and a great sense of well-being. My question is, is this too much estriol to be using? What is the safe upper limit for estriol in cream form? If I take progesterone in cream form as well, would this dull the good effects of the estriol? Thank you for the possibility of as- asking these questions. Very best wishes, Lily. 
Uh, yeah, so there's a, a few things there. First off, she says she started off with uh, botanical phytoestrogens. So that is herbs like black cohosh, uh, red clover. Uh, yeah, those are you know herbs that have, they don't have hormones in them. They Vitex too. That's another real popular phytoestrogen. Well, that's more for the progesterone. Yeah, that's more on the progesterone side, but still definitely herbs that have somewhat of a, not, they don't have hormones in them, right? They, they don't provide the body with hormones, but they have a hormone-like effect. Uh, the phytoestrogens, especially black cohosh, uh, it, it works by affecting the estrogen receptors. So you get a similar response. Now, granted, when a woman's going from perimenopause into menopause, uh, the severity of their symptoms will dictate, just like in this case, whether those phytoestrogens will be effective or not. Exactly. So you think phytoestrogens are actually great to use in both, you know, lower hormones, like from perimenopause to menopause. And it's actually great to use also in people that have high estrogen, because like you said, as a phytoestrogen, the, it's a very, it, it'll, what, what it'll do is that black cohosh or as a phytoestrogen will kind of basically stimulate the receptor weakly, like the, you know, very weak um, stimulation of the estrogen receptor. So if you don't have any estrogen in your system and you have a weak stimulation of that receptor, you're going to have a little estrogen activity in the body. Hence, if you don't, you know, with Lily, you know, going into menopause, the phytoestrogens probably helped for a little bit. But let's say you're a younger female with, you're making too much estrogen. So if you put that phytoestrogens, if they take phytoestrogens, it'll actually block that receptor and dampen down the big reaction that they're having from that estrogen dominance, if that makes sense. Yeah, right. So hormones in the body are, you know, produced by certain, you know, certain glands, they go into the bloodstream, and then they attach uh, to a receptor that are on basically all of our cells, our brain cells, our muscle cells, our liver cells, our kidney cells, every cell has receptors for these particular hormones. So when a woman's in menopause or transitioning into menopause in her own hormone production, progesterone and estrogen are declining, then taking a phytoestrogen in some respects makes some sense uh, because now you're still going to be stimulating those receptors in a way, but not, you know, you're not taking any hormone, but you know, like this question says, uh, or what she's alluding to is that the, which is what we see, you know, you and I are naturopaths. We love our herbs. um, But sometimes the herbs are just not enough to provide the relief that a woman, a woman needs. Yeah. So I like how she's using basically the therapeutic, you know, working at the very least intervention at the very lowest therapeutic range. So, you know, you never want to jump up to the top, which would be, you know, you know, harsher medications or surgery is you always want to start lower with, you know, lifestyle or supplementation or botanical. So she started at that lower intervention, noticed that it helped a little bit and then it didn't. And that could be because really, truly, if Lily's 49, and as she's transitioning, she's probably not necessarily at 49, not exactly in menopause. She's between perimenopause, just gently gliding into menopause. And the phytoestrogens helped for a little bit. And as her body is transitioning more into the full phase of menopause, she needed a little go a little higher on that therapeutic intervention, which is where the estriol came in. And it looks like the estriol um, seemed to work very well with her, that she actually likes it. Yeah, right. So the, you know, her actual real question is, uh, you know, is five milligrams of estriol too much? And whether or not adding in some progesterone is going to kind of decrease the beneficial effects. Uh, This is where it gets tricky, right? Uh, We would, uh, one of our rules of hormone replacement, number one rule is you never give a woman unopposed estrogen ever. 
there's not really a circumstance where that would really be. Uh, now, sometimes you might do that if a woman's having some vaginal dryness and we maybe prescribe a, uh, a, an E3 or a, an estriol cream. Um, but, you know, most of those cases, usually there's going to be uh, some other symptoms involved and more than likely they're going to have a progesterone prescription as well. Exactly. So like you're saying, um, estriol, estriol is great for so many things, but specifically vaginal dryness, it's, it works wonderfully for, but if you're using a very low dose vaginally, it's not going to go so much into the bloodstream and then create that effect of having too much estrogen without enough progesterone to balance it out. So like Dr. Mackey said, is if you're going to do estrogen, any form of estrogen, you truly want to investigate and possibly do some progesterone. Now, if you're going from perimenopause to menopause or even, you know, going into perimenopause, the progesterone usually drops first and then the estrogen drops later. So we know with Lily, if the if she's going into menopause and the estriol is working well, we know that her progesterone levels are low and that it would be beneficial to add in some progesterone for her. And I and I, it looks like that she, you know, she's read probably a few of our articles about why you might need progesterone to balance out that estrogen that you're taking. But her question is, I think she's worried that the progesterone would negate that positive benefit that she's getting from the estriol. Yeah, right. And I think that uh, almost just the opposite, that there needs to be, now granted, uh, that brings up the other question about, you know, cream, progesterone cream versus capsule, Uh, you know, with her being so close to her menstrual history, and we talked about this on uh, some previous episodes, uh, at some point that estrogen dosing could become a problem, right? Because she needs the progesterone to balance and inhibit the growth of the uterine lining. Uh, you know, it's not going to negate anything. If anything, it's going to create more balance because now you're, you know, both hormones are present. And now, like I said, estriol is the most gentle, weakest form of estrogen. There's also estrone, E1, which is not a great estrogen. We, you know, as adult females, we don't make a whole lot of it. Um, you make a, you do make a lot of estrone if you have a lot of fat cells. And also when you're a young teenager, just kind of, or a young female, just sort of going right into puberty and getting your first few periods, you know, for a couple of years there, you might make a little more estrone. But then as the body gets used to cycling, it doesn't make as much estrone. So the whole goal is to not make too much estrone. But, but at the same time, there's estrone estradiol, which is E2, that's the strongest form of estrogen. Estradiol is very strong, but estradiol is an amazing hormone. It's great for your bones. It's great for your cardiovascular system. It's great for your brain, but she can be a little bit of a runaway train if you don't rein in some of her negative effects, where estriol, like I said, E3 is very gentle. So being that Lily is taking just estriol is a, is much safer, um, in some regards, because I love estradiol. I prescribe it all the time, but you never want to prescribe estradiol unless you're doing some progesterone to offset that because of the strength of it. You know, like I said, she can be a little bit of a runaway train. So the progesterone kind of helps negate those, um, side effects that you, unwanted side effects you might get from taking estradiol. Now on that flip side, I was saying that estriol is very, very gentle, that you don't have to be so adamant with the progesterone like you would be if she were taking estradiol. Yeah, right. Then it becomes more, uh, you know, then it's more dose dependent, which is kind of what her question is. So the more of the estriol that you're taking, uh, the more that progesterone conversation needs to be had. But uh, it's not whether the progesterone is necessary or not. At some point, the progesterone will be necessary. Uh, and, and really, whether it's a cream or a capsule, uh, you know, we're not really big fans of progesterone cream in the context of using it with estrogen. 
and you know that that can be you know that can be uh, problematic at some point. Now we you know we're no disclaimer disclaimer we're not giving out medical advice and all that but just in our experience I do feel like if she's taking five milligrams of estriol that's kind of that upper limit where I'd say five milligrams you probably want to do some kind of progesterone just to balance that out when someone's doing three milligrams or less estriol you know E three three milligrams or less. Then I say, okay, we could kind of, you know, let's talk about whether you need some progesterone or not. It may not be necessary if you're doing such a low dose like that. But when you're getting up to five milligrams, you think, okay, we probably want to, you know, put in some progesterone because estriol is very gentle. A progesterone cream may work well for Lily depending on if she starts to, because the one thing with that unopposed estrogen is it can cause the lining of the uterus to get thick and then you get a period back, you get sloppy spotting, you don't want to have an, you know, an increased lining of, of your uterus or your endometrial tissue. So that's not, that's actually kind of a risk factor. So it would, we'd probably want to come down to, does she have a uterus? Does she not have a uterus? Is she, when was her last period? Yeah, right. That menstrual history, you know, um, as a woman is transitioning from her late 40s into her early 50s or from perimenopause into menopause, you know, the proximity of that menstrual history makes a big difference. Uh, if it was just a few months ago, you know, less than six months ago, and she starts right away on estriol, um, even at five milligrams, um, that, you know, that could cause her to start having either a full-blown period or to have unpredictable bleeding, uh, which is exactly what we don't want. Uh, so, uh, certainly the progesterone is a good idea. Um, you know, like I said, uh, the cream versus capsule, I think is the, is the bigger conversation there and you cannot get progesterone capsules over the counter, right? Progesterone cream, uh, in some ways, unfortunately you can, I'm not really sure if I like that idea or not. I think they should be, uh, prescriptions because they're still Depends hormones. on the company, you know, yeah. who's making it, how they're making yeah. it, what's There's in it, where did it come from? They're still hormones. They need to be respected and, uh, you know, need to be somewhat, uh, you know, you can't just take a hormone like that. Now, granted, progesterone, I think is a lot, uh, you know, a lot easier and a lot, I wouldn't say safer necessarily, but you're not going to necessarily have any bleeding problems necessarily with the progesterone cream like you would with potentially with es estrogen cream. So I would say in a case like this, let's say somebody is taking some estri estriol and they're liking it, it's helping their symptoms, they're, you know, five milligrams, you know, that's where, and honestly, if you are working on hot flashes or menopause, you probably would, and you're doing estriol only, you probably wouldn't go lower than five milligrams. I usually do, you know, three milligrams or less if we're working on more like skin tonicity, vaginal dryness, but really for hot flashes and that sense of well-being, five milligrams probably is doing very well for her, that I would say for Lily that d taking progesterone wouldn't dull the effect at all. If anything, it would probably complement it and she'd feel even better. She'd probably feel like she was sleeping better, her hair, skin, and nails were better, um, anxiety, you know, progesterone is very calming and relaxing. It would probably even more so make her not feel wound up or stressed out so that I think it would have a beautiful synergistic effect just in that regard. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know you're referring to capsule progesterone, right? As I'm, opposed to... I would say either. Either, okay. In this right. case, like I said, anybody on an estradiol or what we call biased that has estriol and estradiol together, then we, you know, I pretty much, and they have a uterus, we do progesterone capsules. 
But, you know, in this case, she could probably go either way, you know, talking to her practitioner on, you know, maybe if she or her or maybe her gynecologist, if she has a uterus doing a transvaginal ultrasound every so often, every, you know, year or so, just to make sure that lining's not getting too thick if she's doing the cream. The, the capsules usually prevent that, but the cream, you can go either way with that thickening of the uterus. But but just in, in regards to her question about feeling this calm, this sense of well-being, the, the hot flashes is doing progesterone in either form would, like I said, help. Sh- it wouldn't dull the effect at all. If anything, it would probably help enhance it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly progesterone capsules for sure, you know, work on that kind of mental, emotional plane. They help kind of tone down the anxiety. They help uh, level out the mood. So, you know, perimenopause, one of the classic symptoms of perimenopause is, you're, is women are irritable at everything. You know, the way their husband breathes and the way he chews and the way he talks and, you know, what he, you know, just the simple things that he does. And all of a sudden, you know, women are just in a fit of rage and they don't understand why. They think there's something wrong with them. Um, But, you know, those hormones are changing and their body is reacting in a way that they're not really used to. Uh, Progesterone can really help to kind of, you know, level that playing field. But it sounds like she's feeling really great on that estriol. Everybody's different. That's why bioidentical hormone replacement or treatment, or restoration, or whatever you want to call it, it's important to treat the individual. Because there's some people that estradiol is too strong for them. You know, you do their blood work, you do their, their urine tests, you do their saliva tests. Hey, you have no hormones, but you give you try to give them what you think would be a proper dose, and it's just way too much, where you they're just too sensitive. And then there's others where you're, hey, hey you know, we're, we're on kind of a good amount of hormones, and they don't feel good unless the levels are even higher. Everybody is different. Of course, we're looking at safety and precautions and longevity, but in terms of, you know, every, you know, every female, males included, we're all individuals, we're all very unique, that if this estriol, which is very gentle, is helping Lily, I, that's wonderful. Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, now, uh, estriol is FDA approved. It is by prescription. Um, in this country, I mean, you can find it online. I think other countries, because we've gotten emails and um you know, uh, little comments saying, hey, it's available here down the street at my, you know, my chemist and they live in, you know, I'm not sure about other countries in our yeah, Germany or England or, you know, whatever. Scotland, but yeah. in this country, F- uh, a estriol is, is FDA approved. It is a legitimate prescription, uh, but it is not in a commercial form. So you can't get it from your most, you know, most gynecologists or doctors that do hormone replacement, but more from a conventional route. There is no prescriptions. Uh, you know, we use it all the time for vaginal issues. Uh, and when you go to the gynecologist complaining that you have some dryness or some pain or some discomfort or pain with intercourse, uh, they, don't, they don't give a women that option. Uh, honestly, some of the conventional options are not very good. We always use E3 in that respect uh, you know, because it works very well. And like you said before, E3 estriol is that weaker hormone. So you get all the benefit without as much of the risk that you would get with the estri- uh, with the estradiol. Now, just for some of you out there listening, you might say, hey, I'm on Amazon right now and I see estriol available for purchase. And I've talked to different pharmacists, other colleagues about it. You know, every company, you know, you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know about the company. I'm sure we could go in and research. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how that's um, being able to be bought, you know, on Amazon or over the counter or at Whole Foods. But I know that it is available. Just be careful if you do choose that to go that route, that it's coming from a reputable company and the sourcing is, you know, coming from a good source. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, what we're talking about is by prescription. Um, that's the world we live in. That's the world that we operate in. 
we are not commenting uh, on things that are you know, on estriol, progesterone, estradiol, anything like that that's over the counter. We're not, you know, that's not what we're pertaining to. And you cannot compare a prescription you know, to those things that are over the counter. It is not the same thing. Uh, you know, you know, uh, I don't know really exactly how some of those things are able to be, you know, sold that way. Uh, that's not for me to decide, uh, you know, but we are, you know, what we're in the context of what we're talking about, we are talking about bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, you know, that is by prescription, um, not what you can find on the internet. I mean, cause like you say, you know, when it comes to supplementation and this is the, the downside to supplementation, yes, Everybody has access to it and it's, you know, and it's, uh, you know, that's great. But at the same time, there's not as much regulation on the supplementation side. Uh, anybody can start a supplement company like literally overnight. You have no idea what is in that supplement because no one is uh, checking, you know, from a quality control or of uh, an efficacy standpoint or, you know, even uh, clinical trials of that supplement uh, of that supplement that you're, you know, buying off of Amazon or getting it, you know, wherever. Uh, now we use a lot of supplementation with our patients, um, but we use physician only companies um, that, you know, go through the quality control, the QA, the QC, you know, all those things are met. So that way, you know, where those raw materials are coming from, you know, what the ingredients are, you can feel confident um, that there's no heavy metals, there's no toxins, all those things have been, uh, you know, tested for. Uh, so, you know, again, it's just because we're talking about things that are available online, that's not, it's not really the same conversation. Exactly. So you can tell we're definitely very passionate about, you know, what we're trying to tell people to do. We're very, you know, we want to advocate for people. So um, like I said, if you do go that route of going, you know, at the health food store or online, that's, you know, that's your choice. And, you know, a lot of our listeners and readers are very up to date on where things are coming from. And they're, you know, they're savvy you know, savvy at what's going on here, which is why we love to answer these questions. You know, you go out on the street and you say, Hey, you, do you know what five milligrams of estriol is? They'll just look at you cross-eyed. You know, yeah. most people don't know what that, what this means. So it's really cool to get these questions from you listeners and readers. Um, and you know, these numbers, you know what you're, you know, you know what you're talking about. So it, that's why we love this podcast is we can really get into the nitty gritty of hormone replacement. Yeah, right. And we also know too, you know, because we get these questions all the time, you know, from our own patients is that, uh, you know, con conventionally, there just isn't really a lot of answers, you know, that are given, you know, doctors just don't seem to know, uh, they don't seem to want to know. Uh, and, you know, patients are left to kind of fend for themselves to be able to get, you know, to, to get and find answers. That's one thing I will say, in this kind of information society, you know, with having access to, you know, the internet, and, you know, you know, all this information at our fingertips, uh, you know, it just, you know, people they go on Google, and they look for, you know, they look for answers all the time. And sometimes they just won't stop until they find their answer, which I think is great. You know, so conventionally, there's sometimes there's uh, you know, there's uh, doors that are closed, you know, you're not getting the answers you want. So, you know, that's how, um, that's why we're doing this podcast. And that's why people find us for th those exact reasons. So uh, you have, uh, I think we uh, covered this one. Uh, mm -hmm. The estriol is great. Progesterone is a good idea. Uh, we would advocate the progesterone capsule versus the cream. Uh, do you have anything else to add to that? Uh, no, no, I think this was great. And sorry if we kind of got off on a tangent, but hey, we Love to talk on this podcast. Yeah. So until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.